I'm Justin Roberts of Business, and with me for today's market insights is Counterpoints Pit Fillion. Pit, firstly, it's a beautiful day in Cape Town. 3.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday. You're firmly at your desk. Are you making sure that the portfolio is in good stead before the Christmas season kicks in? Well, the less, the less I uh, play around with the portfolio, the better it does. So, no, I'm not looking at the portfolio right now. I'm just uh, doing my normal reading and uh, resisting the temptation to go outside because it is such a great day. Awesome. Well, on to your readings. Uh, two of your favorite small to mid-cap stocks, the Lewis Group and Savvets, they came out with positive updates, one with results and the other one with corporate action, buying shares yep. back. Yep. Your general marks on both, starting with Lewis? So so Lewis is a very interesting company. I think it's a well-run business uh, that caters to a part of the market where there isn't massive competition at this point in time. There used to be a lot of competition, but... Um, a lot of capital is, is withdrawn from that market. So um, there's less competition around uh, and they're doing very well um, in terms of the merchandise they provide to their clients. Uh, on top of that, you can buy this business, a well-managed business, um, at a discount to its net current asset value. So in other words, you're buying it at less than liquidation value. Uh, and that's just, again, uh, one more southern company which is massively discounted and I think offers very juicy prospect of long-term returns in whichever currency you want to measure it. Savvest, Pete? Savvest is probably even a better story. Um, uh, Savvest is run by a very good capital allocator by the name of Christopher Seabrook. He has a long-term track record of generating very high returns on capital. His net asset value per share has grown at a high rate. Um, he's bought some fantastic businesses over time, and now he is buying back his own business, the business he knows best, um, again at a price which discounts uh, the assets he owns uh, significantly. So, so I think it's just more good capital allocation from Chris Seabrook, uh, and I think the shareholders who are there um, will enjoy the ride going forward. Mr. Price, out for the results earlier today too. We've seen all the clothing retailers for the large part emerge out of the pandemic stronger. Is discretionary retail something that you look at? I would assume there's a little bit of caution there due to its reliance on economic growth. Economic situation in South Africa is relatively dire. And at the end of the day, clothing does sit behind a lot of other needs in the monthly budget. It does, but I think you find surprising many people it sits at the top of the list when they go shopping. <laughs> so, so I think I, I think you know retailing is a is a, a well-run retailing business is a fantastic business, and a well-run clothing retail business is an even better business because it does you know uh, it it does prey on people's emotions. You know, people like wearing new clothes, fancy clothes. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's fundamentally a sound and good business. And if you can provide fashion at the price point, which Mr. Price does, I think you are on a good wicket, as they've shown over the past, I don't know, 25 years, 30 years almost now, I think that they've been around. Um, so great business. Uh, and I know we've had the pandemic last year that was closed and you couldn't shop at them for a while. But in the background, uh, a lot of clothing retailers' results are good year on year because they're coming off a low base. Uh, when they were closed during the pandemic retail, but also you must remember they've been feeding effectively off the carcass of Edgar's. Edgar's, which has gone backwards and basically disappeared. Edgar's used to be the biggest clothing retailer in the country. So 
all the guys who've outcompeted Aegis have been feeding off that carcass and that's boosted the returns as well. I was watching an interesting Bloomberg program last night. They were asking a whole lot of US analysts whether uh, the stock market or the major indices could achieve double-digit growth in 2022. If they were to achieve double-digit growth in 2022, it would be the first time in US history that there was four consecutive years of double-digit growth. How much longer can this party go on for? Uh, as long as the Fed keeps printing money, I think it can carry on uh, for a long time. Uh, I, I think uh, global markets are being supported by money printing, uh, by both fiscal and by both the fiscal and the monetary authorities. They are with a negative and low and negative interest rates. Uh, the monetary authorities are supporting markets, and the fiscal authorities are supporting markets by by printing money and spending a lot of money on infrastructure and other projects. Um, so I think there's a chance. I mean, I, I hate making forecasts because I have no idea what the future holds. But I think there's a non-zero chance that markets continue to go up in the face of a lot of uh, fear and a lot of um, and a lot of mispricing. Because there is, there's no doubt, there's a lot of mispricing out there in the market, both on the downside in places like South Africa and on the upside in places like America. So, you know, where interest rates aren't set by markets like the US and Europe and other developed markets, I think asset prices um, have become detached from reality. Whereas in places where interest rates are set by the market, like emerging markets, Brazil, Mexico, South Africa, Russia, um, I think asset prices are very reasonable still uh, and offer fantastic investment opportunities. So, uh, um, yeah, that's a long-winded way of saying I don't know what the future holds, but I know which way I want to tilt the portfolios. Pete, interestingly, City Lodge came up with an update around an hour ago. Uh, without focusing too much on that update, occupancies are sitting at 41%, which I think is much better than was previously expected. Do you expect uh, hospitality companies to come out of this pandemic stronger, or do you think things like business travel are going to take a few years before they normalize back to pre-COVID levels? Look, uh, this is a guess, and your guess would be as good as mine, uh, but I think business travel will take a bit longer. I mean, I, for one, have not been traveling as much as I used to. Uh, but, you know, uh, human beings are social animals. Uh, 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 In-person business meeting is much better than a Zoom business meeting. There's no doubt about that. So it will come back. Um, and leisure travel is already back in a big way and, and, and getting better because um, people want to connect. They want to be with other people. They want to be with other people in other places. Um, so I think these businesses will come back and they will also adapt. I mean, the other thing one has to uh, always understand and give credit to is human ingenuity uh, and business managers adapt their businesses to a changing environment. And yes, the environment is changing. But that doesn't mean these guys are just standing still looking at, uh, you know, uh, what's happening around them. They're also adapting their businesses and they will come out successfully at the other end if they can survive. If, the key is if they can survive, if they don't have too much debt, because that's always a killer. Uh, debt takes, can take away the control you have over a situation. If you don't have too much debt, then you can manage your way through a situation, adapt your business to the changing times and come out successfully on the other side. And that's what human beings historically have been able to do. We're seeing jurisdictions all over the world react differently to the new waves of coronavirus coming through. Uh, there's rumors that uh, the fourth wave is just in its infancy in South Africa. How would you like to see the fourth wave get managed or how would you do it yourself, the perfect medium between safety 
and the economy to keep going? I, I, so first of all, I think lockdowns are um, not a good way of managing the process. Uh, I, I think lockdowns make no difference at all. I think what does make a difference is your personal hygiene and, and keeping a distance from other people. You know, it's, it's safe social distancing, which I quite like in any case. I haven't got a problem with that. Um, but just being sensible. I mean, uh, illnesses have been with human beings through the eons, and they will be with us in the future as well. For some reason, we've gotten very scared of this one, and it has, it, it has had a death rate higher than normal. But there's, there's a lot of other things that kill people, which we uh, are less, much less scared of. So it's, I struggle to understand the fear around this. And I think a lot of it is being driven by, um, by media that wants to sell copy. I, I think that's, that's uh, one driver. Another one, uh, and I think very much so in places like South Africa, is uh, politicians who want to exert control. Uh, so those two have worked together to create... Uh, but when we call, what Charlie Munger would call a Lollapalooza situation, where it's it, the, the fear around it is just so far out of line with the actual reality um, that I struggle to understand it.